Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Always appreciate it. And we hope you're having a good day. A lot going on we want to get into. I I mentioned this yesterday. I don't know that we're really have spent a lot of time looking at, uh, however the election goes next month, what some of the uh, impact could be on agriculture, changes that could be coming uh, if President Trump's reelected, obviously there'll probably be a lot of turnover in uh, key positions. It usually is in a second term. Uh, what that could mean for agriculture. Uh, if Joe Biden wins, obviously you got a new set of people and there's a lot of uh, differences in his approach to things, and that would include such things as ag labor issues. It would uh, also certainly have a lot to do with taxes and regulation and a lot of things like that. So I'm going to start trying to get into some of those differences and what the what agriculture needs to be looking at however the election goes next month because uh, there will be some changes coming, that is for sure. We're going to try to get into some of those issues on the program today. We'll look at the ag labor situation. This is a critical issue facing American agriculture. It's hard to find. It's hard to keep uh, workers in in agriculture, whether it's harvesting crops or working on a dairy farm or whatever it may be. Uh, there are some proposals out there. There's plenty of controversy out there. It gets wrapped up, of course, into the immigration debate in this country. So we're going to take a look at that and uh, what's going on, get the very latest on some of the proposals in Congress and where they're at, uh, what the, the candidates are saying, both uh, President Trump and Joe Biden. We'll get into a lot of those issues on ag labor on today's program. We'll be talking with the Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Allison Crittenden, will be joining us a little bit later on in the program. Also today, we will talk with the CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Dr. Barb Glenn, uh, what the state ag departments across the country are going to be wanting and expecting from whoever wins the election, what they feel is needed for rural America. We'll talk about that, and we'll be getting a harvest update as well. We'll go to the state of Ohio, Cy Prettyman Farms, just north of Columbus, and we'll get a report on how harvest is going for him. So that's coming up on today's program. But as I mentioned, another one of the impacts on the election next month on agriculture will be in the area of taxes. Joining us now is Paul Niefer, CPA for Clifton Larson Allen. Paul, good to talk with you again. I guess we have an idea. Obviously, we have four years of President Trump and his approach to uh, uh, the tax issues. Uh, But what are we hearing out of the Biden camp, some of their proposals, and what we might see change if Joe Biden wins the election? Well, I think we're actually going to see a lot of what Trump did get unwound. Uh, I think some of the key areas for farmers, especially uh, over on the income tax side, if if you make less than $400,000, which most farmers typically try to show less than that number, you know, Biden has said, now he said that, that there's really not going to be any change uh, to your income tax uh, situation. Now, that's going to be based on tax rates. You know, I think what's going to happen is instead of 100% bonus depreciation, maybe they'll stretch that out, eliminate that, curtail it. 
Um, you know, the, the other major hit is for capital gains. Biden's talking about making capital gains subject to the regular tax rate. So right now, most farmers, let's say a dairy farmer that sells a lot of their raised breeding stock or a hog farmer that sells their raised breeding stock, their typical top tax rate is 15%, could be 20%. For most of them, it's 15%. Well, if Biden gets elected and they make that change, then their top rate could be as high as 40%. Uh, most cases, if it was 15, it's going to be now 30 or 35%. So that's a pretty major hit for a lot of those type of farmers. And now, then over yeah, on the, uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think we're headed in the same direction. I was going to ask you, uh, what has the Biden campaign indicated they would do when it when it comes to uh, estate taxes and, and a step up in basis? That's the major change. You know, the income tax side, I think for most farmers, is probably not too big of a hit, at least based on what we've seen. But over on the estate side, that's the major change. Uh, you know, Biden, uh, step one, he wants to eliminate the extra uh, lifetime exemption amount that uh, that was brought in with tax reform. You know, it's currently almost $12 million for uh, each person. So a husband and wife have an extra $12 million between them, roughly. Uh, he wants to get rid of that right away. So I would guess starting in 2021, that'll disappear. Now, historically, we've never seen the exemption amount really get reduced. But this is already scheduled to be reduced in 2026 anyway. So, you know, this this is just sort of there. Um, and then you talked about step up in bases. You know, we, we see conflicting. Biden either wants to have a capital gains tax at death, uh, which that's the worst case, in my opinion, because that means that's an immediate tax upon that farmer when he passes away or she passes away. Or he wants to eliminate the step up in bases, which is not quite as bad because that only affects the heirs if and when they sell the property or in the case of let's say a step up on uh, grain you know when they sell the crops so that's a major hit for our farm families out there because they have millions of dollars of assets that upon their death get stepped up the, the family that inherits those assets under current law is allowed to sell it or deduct it all over again so that that's the one i'm really concerned about Obviously, we focus so much on the presidential election, but this would all be impacted by the congressional races. The Senate uh, has some really tight races, but you know, who, which party controls uh, Congress? That because a lot of this has to go through Congress, so that that has a major impact, regardless of who wins the White House. Right. If if Biden gets elected, but the Senate is still at say fifty one forty nine. Uh, then in that case, a uh, Republican, then likely uh, none of these major tax changes are going to happen because the, the Senate's going to be able to block them. Now, certainly there'll probably be some, uh, you know, some tweaks to the current rules and so on, but uh, there's not going to be any major upheaval in the tax law. But if the Senate goes uh, even 51-49 Democrat and then they get rid of the you know, the filibuster, so to speak, uh, uh, then then all bets are off at that point. So obviously we don't know how it's going to turn out. What are you telling your clients to, to prepare for? I, the ones that have a fair amount of land holdings that likely they're going to transfer to the next generation. The next generation is involved in farming and they're going to continue to be involved in farming. If they not, they still want to hold the land. Um, you know, we don't worry as much about step up and bases on farmland because that only helps us if they're ever going to sell it. If they're not going to sell it, 
you know, the step up really doesn't matter. So in that case, we're discussing with them, if Biden gets elected, this is the time you really need to consider making some additional gifts of farmland to get it out of your estate, get it to the next generation. Now we have to be cautioned uh, because we saw a lot of these gifts going on back in 2012, the last time we thought the exemption was going to drop. And you ended up with farmers not having enough uh, assets for retirement. So, so it's a little bit of a teeter-totter. So we will see what happens uh, in next month's elections. Paul, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Thanks, Mike. Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Next, we look at the ag labor issue. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us is Greg Tilka. He is an Iowa State nematologist, and you have some new information showing the conditions this year in soybean fields could have an impact on SCN populations two years from now when those fields go back to soybeans. This observation that scientists have had for years and years was that it seemed like soybean cyst nematode reproduced better in dry soils. In other words, numbers increase quicker. Just a few years ago, we did an extensive uh, survey or study of 15 years of data over 25,000 research plots, and that trend appeared. SCN numbers increased more in dry soils and in hot soils. And so we're a little concerned that SCN numbers might be really high this fall. You're in the corn bean rotation. That means there'll be really high numbers waiting for the next soybean crop. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. 
Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. As expected, this winter's national meeting schedule is being impacted and altered because of COVID-19. We're starting to get the word on uh, several conventions that will be virtual this coming winter, including the American Farm Bureau Convention. The 2021 American Farm Bureau Convention will be a virtual event, and uh, we'll be talking more about that and kind of keep you uh, updated on which uh, <laughs> National meetings are going to be virtual, and if any, right now I believe the beef industry, uh, the NCBA convention or the beef cattle industry convention, if you will, I believe they're planning on still meeting in person, but uh, more and more are starting to announce that they are going to be virtual events, including the American Farm Bureau convention in January. Speaking of the American Farm Bureau, Allison Crittenden is the Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. She joins us now. We want to talk about some ag labor issues. Allison, thank you for joining us. Let's start with the decision by USDA to stop collecting farm worker wage information, and this has led to a lawsuit by the United Farm Workers. What can you tell us about it? Mike, thank you so much for having me on today to talk about ag labor. It's, it's always an important issue. Um, so USDA did announce that it will no longer conduct the, the mass survey, uh, which has historically been used by the Department of Labor to calculate uh, the adverse effect wage rate, which is the required wage, wage rate for H-2A workers. Um, you know, what's in that announcement is not a lot of details. You know, it doesn't say you know, what the new wage methodology will be, but by statute, uh, you know, the Department of Labor, as it administers the H-2A program, is required to ensure that, you know, wages do not have an adverse effect on domestic employment. Um, You know, we're not sure what the new wage methodology will be, but uh, I don't think it's the the scenario that some other folks have have pointed to, um, you know, in, in recent news. Um, you know, farmers, they're committed to paying a fair wage, uh, but the methodology using the survey was pretty flawed. Um, you know, farmers have had some, some major concerns with that methodology in the past. Why is this such a critical issue? I think some people not really close to it would say, okay, it's a survey. Why is that so important? So this is the survey that is used to determine the adverse effect wage rate for the over 250,000 H-2A workers that are here in this country. Um, historically, there's been uh, a lot of volatility from year to year in this wage rate. Um, for example, between 2018 and 2019, farmers in the Mountain 2 region, so think Colorado and some of the western states, experienced a 23% increase in their wages from 2018 to 2019. So if this is the methodology that was historically used to calculate wages, this subjected farmers to a 23% swing in their labor expenses in one year, that's a big problem. So it's important that, you know, NAS is perhaps recognizing that maybe the survey is not um, the best source of this data. Um, You know, there have been typically low response rates. Uh, We've also seen, you know, or heard concerns that perhaps some of the, the questions in the survey um, were asked in a way that they were a bit confusing to respondents. 
folks weren't sure how to report incentive-based pay versus base pay. Um, so it was really a, a confusing system uh, in which to, you know, calculate a required wage rate for agriculture's desk worker program. We're talking with Allison Crittenden with the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, Allison, ag labor is obviously a critical issue. Uh, in our last segment, we looked at differences between uh, the Trump administration and a potential Biden administration on, on tax issues. Let's look at the differences between the two when it comes to the ag labor issue. What do we know? Uh, what are we hearing about diff- the different approaches? Sure. So I think, you know, as, as we're forward looking into, you know, what the next uh, four years will bring us, um, you know, I think we understand the direction of the Trump administration just because that's what we've experienced for the last four years. Um, and we certainly welcome some of the, the changes to improve the program, such as uh, the ability to now advertise online for the H-2A program, um, as well as streamlining some of the application processes, uh, the creation of Farmers.gov, and now being able to track your application using the H-2A portal. All of those are very welcomed uh, changes to the program, and I think from a Trump administration, um, we could expect, you know, further uh, changes to the H-2A program. Um, If you look on Vice President Biden's uh, campaign website, you can see where he's outlaid some of his ag labor priorities. Um, You know, I think one positive of a Biden administration is that we will likely have a very receptive uh, individual to help us with the issues with the, the current workforce who lack um, proper documentation and trying to find a way to help those folks get right with the law. Um, but that may also come with other provisions like mandatory overtime for farm workers or, um, you know, increased uh, uh, OSHA presence on farms and perhaps additional regulation. So, um, you know, with the Trump administration, we've experienced what some of the streamlining for the H-2A program would be, um, although they're likely less receptive to help with the current workforce issues, where on the the flip side, I think from a Biden administration, you can expect them to be pretty receptive to um, some of the problems with the the current workforce's documentation, but we may have to, um, you know, have some additional regulations partnered with that. Yeah, so it's kind of a mixed bag on both sides. You might gain in one area and then some other things you might not particularly care for that goes with it, maybe kind of some strings attached or some things uh, that you don't uh, wouldn't be wanting as far as perhaps more oversight or things like that. Uh, but just like with the tax issue, uh, I want to mention here too, uh, as much as we focus on the presidential election, we need to look at the uh, which party controls Congress, because we've seen a lot of uh, these issues like immigration, like labor, uh, different things proposed, but they can't get through Congress. That's very true. So obviously, you know, it's not just the, the presidential election that will you know, set the stage and direct how ag labor is handled moving forward, but it will also determine, you know, be determined by whether or not Republicans keep the Senate, um, you know, if Democrats gain even more seats in the House, um, you know, all of that will, will shift the makeup and the landscape for potential ag labor reform in, in the next few years. All right. So when we look at some of the things that are being proposed already, uh, such as the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, I think this is something that the uh, Farm Bureau has concerns about. Uh, can you give us the latest on that and 
and the AFBF position on it? Sure. So, you know, just to refresh everyone's memory, um, AFBF is not supportive of the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Um, we felt that it didn't go far enough on the guest worker side to ensure that we had a, a labor solution that helped us now, but also in the future. Um, some of our concerns were centered around the fact that it had a cap on a number of year-round visas, and it also mandated we verify before that cap was uh, was lifted completely. Um, so, you know, we felt that that could actually create more of a strain on the ag workforce by enforcing you verify while there's still a cap on uh, year-round H-2A. Um, it also created more legal exposure for ag employers um, by, for the first time, you know, having uh, H-2A workers um, have a, a private right of action and the ability to, to, to sue employers. You know, H-2A um, violations now are handled by the Department of Labor um, as it administers, you know, a series of regulations um, and enforcement on farms um, related to, to the rules of the program. Um, and, and finally, I think, you know, wage is always a tough topic, uh, especially now during the, the pandemic, but, you know, we felt that, you know, legislation that, you know, would likely be uh, the rule uh, for many, many years to come, for decades to come, uh, we needed to be more comfortable with, with the wage uh, provisions in that, that bill as well, and, and we were not. Um, you know, as far as the outlook, I think, you know, we're seeing that Congress is, is really pressed right now just to address COVID relief. Um, you know, when we come back from the election, we'll also have to figure out, um, you know, how we will just fund the government. You know, the CR does expire in December. Um, so I, I don't think that, you know, this Senate, I, I'm not sure that they will, one, have the time or two, the appetite to take up the Farm Workforce Modernization Act um, in a lame duck Um you know, we are certainly open as we were prior to the pandemic. We were having many conversations with folks on the Senate side about introducing, you know, a Senate version of a ag labor bill um, that included a lot of the, you know, changes and improvements that we were hoping to see in the House. All right. So we'll see after the elections what happens there as well. Allison, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mike. Allison Crittenden, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Next, we'll talk with the CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy. The first proprietary soybean brand, High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years, offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics. High Soy varieties continue to provide industry charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit fshighsoy.com. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online.
Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a mix. Soybean futures were lower in the overnight trade, partially in reaction to comments made by Chinese President Xi Jinping calling on the country's troops to put all their minds and energy on preparing for war. He made those comments during a visit to a military base, according to Chinese state media. USDA reporting Thursday that China purchased 261,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans. That makes it 525,000 tons of soybeans announced as sold to China in flash sales this week. The return of China to purchasing U.S. grains paving the way for a rally yesterday. On this Thursday, an hour into the session, November soybeans down a penny and three quarters at 10.54 and a half. January, 10.54 and three quarters down two and a half. December corn, two and a half higher at 399. March at 404 and a half, up two. Chicago wheat, December contract up four and three quarters, 601 and a half. Kansas City wheat, December up three and three quarters at 539. Minneapolis spring wheat, December up four and a quarter at 550 and a quarter. March at 563 and three quarters, up four and three quarters. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, October down 35 at 108.02, December down 37 at 109.90. Feeder cattle, November contract up 22 at 136.52, January 133.55 up 22 cents. Lean hog futures, December up 87 cents, 69.32. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow down 222, S&P down 29, NASDAQ down 114, November crude oil down $1.32 at $39.72. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines keep on digesting for others and that's not all you can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor restoring sight and health and you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant you're touching whole families with your life-saving gift register in minutes just go to organdonor.gov you'll be happy you did and just maybe someone else will be happy too sign up today Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so, so far we've looked at the differences between uh, the uh, President Trump's uh, tax policies and what uh, Joe Biden is proposing if he wins. Uh, we've taken a look at the labor issue and the differences between the two approaches. So now let's uh, kind of look it over big picture here. Um, because this election will obviously have an impact on, on rural America and uh, on agriculture. So joining us now is the CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Dr. Barb Glenn. Uh, Dr. Glenn, thank you for joining us. Um, 
obviously we don't know how the election's going to turn out, but I know as the State Departments of Agriculture as a group, you're saying to whoever wins, here are some needs that need to be addressed in rural America, right? Absolutely. Good morning, Mike. Um, I think the truth of the matter is agriculture really isn't a red or a blue issue. And so our uh, NASA members, uh, we came together and we identified a call to action. Rural communities matter now more than ever, and indeed resiliency for rural America continues to be our goal, and we, we expressed that to the two campaigns recently. Yeah, I think that's a good point, because within your association, obviously, you have uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans, but you have some common issues. I, I think we all need to find uh, more common issues and ways we can work together to address these issues. So what are some of the, the priorities that you've laid out uh, to whoever wins the election that need to be addressed in rural America? Well, uh, we start with expanding market access for um, food and agricultural products globally. So we need to increase our, our presence in international trade for sure. And I think that's a, a top priority for NASA, but we also heard, heard from both campaigns for them as well. As we know, um, with the current administration, there's there's a, a large a number of trade agreements being worked on in, at, at, at this time. Another issue was worker protection and increasing the availability of labor. We, we need to prioritize keeping our food safe, uh, particularly now in the uh, wake of the COVID response and recovery. And then we um, support expanding rural broadband access uh, for um, not only for rural businesses and communities, but the, the uh, health and education components of that are critical, as well as precision agriculture. And then we're looking for increasing the resiliency across the food supply chain. So that's, uh, you know, making this food supply chain work with some new attributes to increase uh, capacity for food and meat processors and increase our uh, programs where we're matching farmers and their products to hungry Americans. And then lastly, we, we talked to the campaigns about investing in climate resiliency programs. So those were our priorities um, as we laid them clearly out to uh, both campaigns a couple weeks ago. So obviously, whoever wins the election, there's going to there's going to be a difference in approach to these issues. But uh, you're you're just you're laying this out to both campaigns that here are the core issues that need to be addressed, right? And you're you're wanting to work with whoever wins, whoever uh, is at the White House to to accomplish these goals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the overarching point for uh, NASA and our members is that we have um, strong support for the concepts of a strong state and federal partnership. Uh, this is sometimes called cooperative federalism. But we articulated that to both campaigns. I would say in the current administration, we've enjoyed a very strong state and federal partnership. And I think it would be yet to be seen uh, how the Biden campaign would approach that. But that's that's job number one. And when we do that, Mike, then we sit at every table on uh, emerging and new food and ag policies with our counterparts in the federal government. So we're, we're uh, representing farmers and ranchers at every turn. We are talking with Dr. Barb Glenn, CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Dr. Glenn, uh, kind of give us an overview of of how state departments of agriculture are dealing with COVID-19. Obviously, they're 
There are a lot of financial constraints right now, but great needs that are out there and limitations of what can be done because of the financial situation. Uh, give us an, an overview, if you can, of uh, the state of things right now. Well, um, every State Department of Ag has been asked to do more, basically, with the same resources. Uh, I'm very pleased to report that uh, many of our states now um, are receiving funding from the uh, the CARES Act funding that their governors received uh, early in the COVID uh, pandemic time. But we've had to pivot and, and add new programs. And so just, for example, on worker protection, our members are very engaged in having to work uh, at the basic levels of procuring more PPE, um, working out the details on worker housing and transportation with a high priority always to keep our workers safe. And in addition, we're, uh, we're, uh, we worked with the administration to try and maintain that labor that was needed to harvest our fruits and vegetables and other crops. So we focused on that. COVID has also forced us to, um, you know, think differently about the food supply chain. So I mentioned that earlier. We found uh, that we had uh, the need to provide local foods and fruits and vegetables and meat and uh, dairy products to uh, farmers and uh, from farmers and ranchers to consumers. So I think we, um, our members had the first food box <laughs> programs, if you will. We were matching uh, these products and uh, from farmers to uh, hungry Americans at food banks and other charitable organizations really early. So some diverse partnerships were formed. And now we're providing a lot of resources to our small and medium-sized food processors including uh, refrigeration, you know, shelf access, distribution channels, things like that. So these were some new and emerging um, challenges that came um, in the uh, emergence of COVID-19. Which is ongoing. These these challenges obviously are, have not, are still there. We don't know how much longer it's going to go. Uh, what's the, yeah. the kind of the situation? Have you got the funding that you need now to keep going or uh, on some of these uh, special efforts uh, because of COVID-19 or you're running short or what's the situation? Well, we, um, we need more resources, uh, flash funding, Mike, to continue to work at the pace we are with all these new levels of programs and um, coming from our State Department of Ag leaders. And so we've been very active on the Hill to try and frame up the need for these resources we're very thankful for the USDA programs that provide direct funding to farmers and ranchers. That's job number one. But uh, on the side, um, you know, our members are, um, you know, leading these new programs. And so we've, we've been pressing for um, additional funding through the various uh, COVID relief packages that are trying to emerge from Capitol Hill. And uh, we will continue to do that. Now, obviously, COVID has affected everyone all across the country, but some parts of the country, maybe more than others or in different ways than others. So uh, it's not like uh, while the, there's a blanket need, the uh, efforts to address needs in certain areas might be different. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Mike. And uh, NASDAQ commissioners, secretaries, and directors know their state. They know their consumers. They know their stakeholders. So the value of, of providing the resources to uh, State Department of Ag is that these partnerships are just waiting to happen. Uh, we know our, our needs. Uh, we understand what uh, from farm to plate, what, what pro 
programs have to be developed. And so I think that's what we talk about is the State Departments of Ag are the first responders, if you will, on the ground. And we work interagency and the state government as well. So with our State Departments of Public Health, ample work with emergency operations groups in the state government. But we are uh, protecting the critical infrastructure of food and agriculture. So it's a, it's a great story. Uh, the need is unmet and continues to be there with respect to funding for our departments. And we will continue to make noise on that. You've mentioned that you are in contact with both campaigns uh, about uh, these issues and these needs that are out there. Uh, what kind of response have you received from the campaigns? They've been very positive dialogues. Um, we were very fortunate uh, this close to the election to, to be able to have a, an open discussion with both campaigns. Again, in the food and agricultural arena, I would say for both campaigns, there was a lot of common uh, commonality in, around our priorities, um, but there are, you know, some some differences. And uh, we focused on the positives and the need to work together. Uh, for us, uh, our value proposition is for our commissioners, secretaries, and directors to be working closely with the federal government to ensure that uh, the state perspective, the local perspective of our farmers and ranchers is brought to the table when we're developing policy, whether it's environmental protection or, you know, agricultural biotechnology or, or infrastructure. Well, it's challenging because obviously whoever wins the election will have a different approach, uh, uh, one from the other, and uh, then somehow that all trickles down to your folks on the state <laughs> level trying to trying to work through uh, whatever is coming down from Washington to get the help out uh, to those in need. As you said, these issues go beyond red or blue. These are issues we all face and we need to work together on. Dr. Glenn, thank you so much for, for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, take care. Dr. Barb Glenn, CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, they're work, reaching out to both the Trump and Biden campaigns and saying, hey, here are the issues that uh, need to be addressed in rural America, the critical issues, and that uh, we want to work with whoever wins the election to, to accomplish these goals. All right, up next, Cy Prettyman. He farms in Ohio, north of Columbus. How is his harvest going? We'll get an update next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. 
a message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, we have the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Joining us now is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. The index increased to 156 from 144 in August. Back in April and May, we're right around an index of 100, and so the index has increased dramatically since it uh, lows in, in April and May. If you look at the two subcomponents, the index of current conditions increased more than the index of future expectations. And I 
think that was due to two different things. One is the increase in, in prices, particularly corn and soybeans, from late July, early August into uh, September. But also, uh, this survey took place right after uh, the announcement of the second round of the uh, CPAP payments. So I think both of those things were important to the increase in index of current conditions and the increase in the Ag Economy Barometer Index. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Our harvest updates take us to the state of Ohio today, Cy Prettyman Farms north of Columbus. He joins us now. Cy, I think last time we talked, you were just getting started. How much do you have done? Oh, we're about 75% through our beans. Um, got in just a little bit of corn earlier in the week. We had some cloudy days, and so I switched over and ran about 50 acres of corn. Just got a little bit of a start on it, so moving along well. Actually, in the field this morning, very unusual situation started before uh, sun up this morning and been running all morning ahead of some rain that's coming in around noon. Well, we've had a lot of uh, reports of beans drying down too much and a uh, uh, real concern there, some challenges. What about your beans? We've not ran into that. Um, the beans I'm running this morning about 12 and a half to 13 and that's, we've, I suppose the driest beans we've ran maybe down around 10 or something, 10 and a half on a couple of days, but not too bad. Um, been pretty happy. We've been catching them about right. Um, I don't know if that's the case across the entire state, at least in our neighborhood. That's uh, we're, we're doing all right. And were you happy with your bean yields? Yeah, bean yields have been surprisingly good. Um, they've continued. I think when we talked before, they were they started out well, and and they've continued to stay well. And even as I've gotten into uh, had some beans I planted right around the first of June, and they're they're holding up very well too. You got some moisture later in the summer that other parts of the country did not, didn't you? That, yeah, we, we were dry in July. And um, and then we kicked in in first part of August, got decent rains in August, and, and had some nice rains in September to really finish the crop. And, and it's really showing up in the beans. You can, you can definitely tell we were fortunate to get that moisture late in the season. So let's go to the corn then. Uh, what are your early uh, yields looking like there? Not too bad. Uh, that was some 103-day corn that we planted April 25th, and it's doing. It was average, you know, above our at our um, yield average or above. Um, so not too bad. I was I was pleased with it. I wasn't sure how good it was going to be. It took a long time to get out of the ground. We got it planted in great conditions, and then it turned off pretty cool there uh, first part of May and. Took about 21 days to get out of the ground, and it, it came amazingly well, and the stands were good, and uh, and uh, really can't complain about the yields. It dried down to about 18% moisture, so it didn't take much to get her dried down and put in the bin. I'm guessing you're not into your best corn yet, though, probably. I believe we'll have better corn, yes. Uh, I think we will get into some, some good corn, and even my later planted corn uh, that we finished up there at the end of May, first day of June, I think it's going to... It looks really, really good, and it may benefit from some of those late rains we received. Um, did you run into much uh, disease uh, pressure or insect uh, problems this year? Not really seeing much, no. Um, 
just not uh, not too bad. Uh, things stayed pretty pretty clean for us. We put fungicide on some corn, some we didn't. Um, same way on the beans, and that really uh, just getting into a few that we had some fungicide on. We'll see if it we'll get some yield data here, and we'll see how it looks and see if it, it paid or not. But with that drier weather earlier in the season, it seemed like the disease load didn't come until really late uh, on stuff, and I think by then it it had matured far enough along and it didn't impact it a lot. Yeah, I've heard several farmers say fungicides, they felt paid off for them. You'll be watching that yield monitor to see if, if it paid off for you, right? Sure will. Yeah, we'll have some we'll have some contemporary fields here in, nearby that we can kind of compare to and, and see how it looks, and we'll see if it uh, paid off. Happy with test weights? Um, yeah, it, beans have been fine. Um, the corn we got got into, um, it was okay. wasn't like over the top, but it wasn't bad. So, so far, that's it, not impacting us. Any storage issues in your area that you know of? No, I've kind of been checking. Uh, I'm going to fill up all my storage that I have at home and probably need a little haul some in, too, uh, to get done. And um, I'm kind of keeping a close eye on that. And so far, um, nobody said that they're starting to fill up. One elevator that does some containers that they ship out overseas, they don't have a lot of capacity there, and they were they had gotten full there a week or so ago, but they were shipping out and hopefully loosen back up a little bit and be able to get some guys back in there again too. I know you had a rough year last year, and some acres you didn't even get planted. But in a normal year, are you kind of on pace with harvest or maybe a little ahead? Yeah, I'd say we're we're kind of on pace. Um, maybe I'd say we're just about on pace with where I'd normally like to be. I was kind of, for me, I always had a goal of kind of looking at getting the beans done, uh, 15th October plus or minus a few days. And we're, we're on, we're, we're there now and we got a couple days left. So I feel pretty good about that. And, uh, and then we'll get into, into the corn and that should hopefully clip along pretty good, but it looks like we're going to have some bushels to bring in. So yeah, much different situation than a year ago for sure. And, of course, you saw this uh, bean rally coming, so you waited to sell everything now, right? Um, we, we have taken <laughs> advantage of that. So yeah. that's been, that was a nice surprise. So, you know, you're coming out in July, you're thinking, oh, with this dry weather, we're going to have pretty average yields, and we might be sub $9 on, on beans. And uh, so a nice surprise to get us rallied up uh, above $10 and, and having good yield. So it kind of changed the budgets dramatically uh, just here in the last month or so. So you're trying to beat some rain now. Uh, what's the forecast look like for you? Light rain coming through today, um, maybe a tenth or two it looks like, and um, and then back to sunshine for at least a couple of days and then maybe another chance for, for some rain Um um, I think around the first of the week, but nothing heavy, so we should be able to continue to progress without too much of a delay. And to say, for the most part, like many, you've been able to roll along pretty good, haven't you? Yeah, we we've been good. Um, just maturity on getting the beans mature has slowed us down a couple times, uh, and that was part of the reason we switched over some corn there earlier in the week. Um, kind of ran into what was ready there over the weekend, and and we thought, well, let's just switch over and run cold going for a day or two and let them mature. And they're running great now, but a lot of other neighbors are fighting the same thing. All right. Cy, thanks a lot for the report. Stay safe and have a good rest of your harvest. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Cy Prettyman, he farms north of Columbus, 
Ohio. With that, we wrap things up for today. Thanks so much for being with us. Join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.